It's good to see all of our guests here. Yesterday we had such a great time in the house of the Lord. Brother Dave uh, Zumwalt and Sister Kim Korth were united in marriage. We just had a, a great, great time. And my message this morning is probably reflective of the worship service that we had. Actually, what I'm going to talk about is Sardis, the dead church. But uh, I think as we go along, you'll understand uh, the connection. But uh, it just was so good yesterday to feel the presence of the Lord in the marriage ceremony and then, of course, in the reception. God came down in a great way. Brother Dave's mom is with us this morning and his sister, and we certainly welcome them. And then Sister Kim's mom and dad and sister are here. Uh, Of course, Pam is with us uh, all the time. She's been filled with the Holy Ghost here, and then Mom is here a lot. And we see Dad every now and then. And when he comes around, he makes his presence known. And he's such a congenial, warm guy, I'll tell you. It just, you meet him and you feel like you've known him all your life. (coughs) Praise God. But uh, we have something that we need to discuss today. From Revelation 3, verse 1, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, and be ready to die. Pardon me. That are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. I guess we do need to be ready to die, don't we? But that's not what the Scripture said. All right? Verse 3, Remember, therefore, that thou hast received, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, and they, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And you may be seated. <clears throat> Sardis, the dead church. And I would like to say, according to Scripture, it was nearly dead, the near-dead church. It wasn't quite dead, but it was almost dead. And I'm sure that uh, you have been in some lifeless churches before. Now, for all practical purposes, we're just going to say Sardis, the dead church, because Sardis seemed to be living on a past reputation. If you will look in verse 1, the Scripture says, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest. In other words, they had a reputation at one time of really being a live, on-fire church. But after a while, they did not live up to that reputation. They died. And then, of course, the Scripture says, and art dead. In other words, at this time, uh, you are dead. Now, I said for all practical purposes, uh, Sardis was dead because I think the Scripture bears witness to that. However, we do know that they had individual members that uh, were not dead, 
For the Scripture says in verse 4, Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white raiment, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Now I want you to look at what the Scripture says, And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Now there is a teaching among religious circles, and that is once saved, always saved, or the doctrine of eternal security. I think this is one of the strongest Scriptures in opposition to that. God had the power to blot out the name. But because these people, the remnant of Sardis, was clothed in white raiment, that is, they, they had on the righteousness of God, the Scripture tells us that God told them, I will not blot your name out simply because that you are worshiping in a dead church. Now, Sardis is nothing more than a lifeless corpse. Uh, there's just no doubt about it. Uh, I know that uh, in the Scripture, when you read about worship services or you read about worship to God, uh, you find that people were, were very happy, they were lively, they were vivacious, they were uh, uh, excitable, uh, they, they got in several cases besides themselves when they worshiped but for some reason down through the years uh, Christianity has conformed to uh, a, a less than than life uh, a status they uh, are pretty much dead that is churches are I do not want to stand behind this pulpit and preach a message of condemnation against uh, churches, but I do feel an obligation to God, uh, to this church, to make sure that this church is on fire, that this church is alive, that this church has the presence of God running from uh, the very pulpit all the way to the back, the very back pew, so that everybody who comes in contact with this church, that they will know that God is indeed alive and that God is real. Now, there's not much testimony, at least the testimony is killed when people stand behind pulpits and talk about life with God when the services are dead and the people are dead and even the pulpit is dead. Now, what I want to do is talk about uh, a funeral. And, of course, when we talk about a funeral, we cannot have a funeral without having a corpse that is someone that has lost their life. Now, the first thing that I want to say is a corpse is recognized by its appearance. Uh, you could look at a person in a casket and tell if they're dead. There's just that dead appearance. It is there. Now, a corpse is always very quiet. Uh, a corpse does not have the ability to talk. Uh, usually the corpse is dignified in appearance because some undertaker has prepared the body for viewing and so naturally uh, people are going to come by and talk about the appearance of the individual. I know myself, I've looked in the face of lifeless individuals, and uh, certainly some were uh, involved in tragic accidents and such that took their life, but uh, somehow the funeral directors, uh, they were able to prepare the body for viewing and in many cases reconstruct part of the facial features so that they they look lifelike, but nevertheless, regardless of how they look, you know there's something missing there. 
Our churches may have everything, their programs, their plans, their methods, their modern facilities, everything. But if Jesus Christ is not alive within us, there is something missing. There is no life, there's no power, there's no progress, and above all, there's no conversions. And I believe that any church that's alive will have conversions. It is just as normal for the church to have people born into the kingdom of God as it is for a couple to have children born into their family. Now, just because the church appears uh, to be uh, good, just because the church appears to be uh, the way that uh, we sometimes think it ought to be, does not mean that it is productive. Jesus said, You shall be known by the fruits that you bear. I want to be a fruit-bearing Christian. I'm not just speaking to you as a, as a group collectively, but I want to challenge you individually. You may appear to look like a Christian. You may appear to, uh, to be one. But on the other hand, uh, do you have, the question is, do you have the power of the Holy Ghost, the fire of God flowing through your veins? And this is so very important. Yesterday in our wedding, we felt the Spirit of the Lord come down. God came down, and people were lifting their hands. I talked to several people at the wedding that uh, had not been in Pentecostal churches before, and several people made reference to this. It was so good to see people in the old-fashioned way lift their hands and magnify God. Person after person came by. Pastor, we felt something in this wedding. We went into the room where the groomsmen were, and we stood there, and we all bound our hands together, and we began to pray, and the Spirit of the Lord came down. Brother Dave and I went in the back room, and he was waiting for his bride, and the Spirit of God came down in that room. He began to testify and talk about how God uh, had been so good to him. Oh, isn't it great to see that God can pick up someone, and God can turn them around. I don't know if you know this, but yesterday in the wedding, we had five people that were at one time incarcerated. They were in prison. But God has taken those people out, and they're living for God today. I think it's a testimony of what God can do for an individual. The wicked Pharisees, the hypocritical Pharisees came to Jesus. They wanted to see a sign. Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation seek for a sign. He said, I give you no sign but the sign of Jonas. As Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The, this is a sign of conversion. Jesus said you need no more conclusive evidence that God is alive than to see someone come and unshackle themselves in the presence of God from all of their sins. God sets them free and takes His blood and blots out their past. They're baptized in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And God fills them with His own life. Oh, hallelujah. Grants them eternal life and writes their name in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus said, nobody needs any more evidence than that that God is alive. And regardless of what people are saying in this 20th century that we live in, God is still alive, and He is still well, and He is still converting, saving people, delivering people, turning people around. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap because He is in our midst today. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is for 
some unknown reason. I'm not really for sure, but but uh, when a person dies, uh, he is always well spoken of. And I I think that uh, any of us would uh, would would it would admit that we have personally known people, been acquainted with people that were far less than perfect, and uh, and we recognize that. But after they die, especially during the funeral. Uh, there are not negative things said about the individual. Uh, nobody in their right mind would stand up behind a pulpit and and uh, uh, and address the congregation and talk about a loved one in, in, a, in, in a true sense, that is, in which uh, uh, the loved one really was. Uh, uh, nobody would stand up and say, well, you know, I, I've known Joe for a long time. I think we have some Joes here, don't we? I know we have Joe Thorpe. And, oh, Joe, I'm sorry. Let's just change your name, all right? My name is John, so I'll change it to John. And we have a lot of John, but I'm basically talking about myself. All right. They say, well, John was a great guy, but he was really a crank. Now, every morning when he got up, he fussed and, and, and fumed around, and, and he didn't get to going real good until mid-afternoon, but to, he was just that way. You hardly ever saw him smile, uh, and they go on and on and on. But the summary of it is that, that he's, he's really a good guy, and uh, everybody loves him. No, that's not the way you conduct a funeral. That's not the way you speak of someone who's passed on. You uh, simply you, you talk about the good things. I, I uh, heard a story about a preacher that uh, he could always find something good in individuals. Well, there was a gentleman in town that uh, was noted to be the old crank of the town, and nobody could get along with him, and he couldn't get along with anyone. So uh, when he died, and he wasn't a church-going person, um, a few relatives decided they'd get this uh, country preacher that could always speak well of any individual. And we would get him to, 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 to preach the funeral because he will say something nice about this man. And, and of course, the few uh, relatives, uh, survivors, uh, uh, certainly wanted things to be done right or, uh, you know, some nice words said over him. Uh, quite often I get calls from people uh, and they... Uh, will ask me if I will conduct a funeral. I've conducted funerals for people that I did not know, I never met before. Uh, usually, if they're not church-going people, they'll say, uh, preacher or pastor, we'd like for you to come and say a few good words over over our loved one. <laughs> it's always, you know, good words. So so uh, here, uh, uh, people came by and viewed the, the body of the town crank, and, and uh, you know, and, and so... This preacher got up and he said, well, I'll tell you one thing. He said, I've known this man for many, many years. Now, he's been struggling in his own mind trying to think of something good because he knows he has to live up to his reputation. He says, now, the thing about it is, he said, you you probably don't recognize it today because of the way that, that bodies are prepared. But uh, the truth of the matter is, this man had the prettiest teeth that you've ever seen. <laughs> he's going to say something nice. And so... That's, that's what he did. Now, no one would dare say anything critical of a corpse. Only soft words spoken. And this is also true of dead churches. Uh, uh, when we talk of dead churches, there are churches that no one would ever say anything uh, bad about. Uh, and and there, there are people that uh, profess to be Christians that, that uh, naturally uh, you would never say anything bad about them. Uh, now, I'm not talking about addressing them personally, but I do believe that dead churches... And, and, and dead church members, they, they, they do not like uh, to be agitated. <laughs> they, they don't like uh, uh, for preachers to stand behind the pulpit and tell it like it was. 
Someone told me, said, you know, the thing that we need to do is tell it like it is. I said, I disagree. We need to tell it like it was, like it was back in the Bible. The Bible is the manual of life, and we need to tell it exactly the way it was. There's too much pride in the human race today, and people feel comfortable over the fact that they have a, a, a warm place to go and worship God, and, and, and that's about the sum total of it. And, and preacher, leave me alone. Don't say anything that will offend me, and don't push me out of my nest uh, because I'm comfortable here. I don't want to give any more than what I'm giving. I don't want to worship any more than what I'm worshiping. I don't want anybody to bother me. But let me tell you something. This planet Earth needs a real shaking revival. We need to be shaken like a horse trotting on concrete. We need the power of the Holy Ghost to rumble across our souls like a thousand buffaloes across the prairie to wake us up out of our sleep. Oh, hallelujah. I believe this as much as I believe anything. Now, Satan does not want us to condemn sin. He doesn't want us to glorify the Savior. All he wants us to do is just speak good of everything and let things go. More people, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this, but I read recently more people attend funerals than any other uh, church service. Uh, people go to funerals. They go out of curiosity. They go out of concern. They go uh, because that they, they love people and certainly... This, this is all well, and, and this, this is great. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. We need some services where there's life. I meant life and individuals. The power and the spirit of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I just saw Sister Ella Ray. Sister Ella Ray, it's good to have you in church with us. We, when I baptized Sister Ella, she was uh, 80, I want to say 87 years old. I'm not for sure how old she was. I know now Sister Ella's 90. Uh, how old are you, Sister Ella? Ninety-five? Ninety-five years old. Ninety-five years old here in the house of God today. If you go over to her, her house, you know what she's going to say the first thing when I walk in? She'll say, well, here's some coffee for you, Pastor. And, and then she always gets up and goes to the fridge and brings out some of the, I'm telling you, some of the best pie or <laughs> uh, sweet things. That, but then the next thing she says, let's pray. I mean, and she just closes her eyes, and, and you can feel the Spirit of the Holy Ghost in that house. The power of God is there. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Isn't it good to see people that walk with God at this age? Oh, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And Sister Luke just celebrated her 100th birthday. I was just in the rest home the other day, and, and Sister Luke, we, we had prayer with her, and the Spirit of the Lord came down. The power of the Holy Ghost came down in a great way. 100 years old, still serving God, still on fire for God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. I'm glad I'm in a, a lively church. Praise God. And I'll tell you what, if I weren't in a lively church and I had anything to do with it, I'd bring it alive. Everybody likes their religion with a little kick in it. Hallelujah. 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 Who said cold, formal, dead church services were in order? Jesus didn't say it. The prophets of old didn't say it. And the, in fact, they said, clap your hands, all you people. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Let's give the Lord another hand clap. Would you do that? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So at funerals, the preacher always preaches nice sermons. There is uh, 
nothing positive about uh, the preaching of a dead church pastor. In other words, uh, he's just going to preach things that makes everybody feel good. Now, uh, Paul tells Timothy in the last days that this is the way it's going to be. Now, if we live in the last days, and we do, then this is the way it's going to be. The Bible says, They shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And that simply means that, that preachers will be forced by people to preach what they feel they want to hear. I remember working on a job one time, and a group of deacons from nearby church there uh, came and talked with me. They, they wanted to... They wanted to get rid of their pastor. We want to change pastors. And and, and <laughs> they said, uh, we got a little problem with a pastor. One, he preaches too long. Another, he preaches against things that we don't want him to preach against. And so we want to we wanna change pastors. I said, well, like what? And they began to name off several things. I said, well, you're talking to the wrong man. I said, why? Well, they said, why? And I said, well, because I would preach against the same things and I do preach against the same things. Well, they were quite, quite, uh, uh, you know, flabbergasted about it. They said, you mean to tell me that if, if your church board came and told you you had to stop preaching about what you were preaching about and that you were preaching too long, that you wouldn't comply? I said, so help me, I'd preach a sermon that you could not dismiss. Everybody would have to go home while I was still preaching. And I'd preach everything from A to Z that was wrong. Now, I'm not against church boards. We have a lovely church board. We have some good men. We have some good deacons. But deacons, when they become demons, instead of deacons, they're out of order. And when preachers are told what they ought to preach about, they need to quit preaching. We need unction, anointing from the pulpit, and unction and anointing in the pews. Now, when I'm preaching a funeral, I go and meet with the family, and I ask them, what would you like for me to say? Seriously, I do that. I think it's only right. It's okay for a funeral, but listen, this is not a funeral. See? This is not a funeral. Praise God. Well, one lady came one time and said, you know the thing about it is, <laughs> she said, I came to church and it was on a Sunday morning. Now this may not be a typical Sunday morning service. She said on Sunday morning, you know, you just seemed to preach a message, kind of patted me on the back and made me feel good. I came Sunday night, and you know what you did? You just gave me a swift kick right in the seat. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I guess we need both, don't we? We really need people to lift us up. And we really need people to make us feel good about things that we do that are right. There's no doubt about it. But overall, when the tones of deadness set in, when the cold grip uh, 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 of deadness takes over. Uh, we need God's Holy Spirit to come and liven us up. Messages on hell. I 
was just reading in the Wisconsin State Journal recently. I don't know if you read the articles they had about the baby boomers. And the baby boomers don't want to hear about hell and so forth and so on. I went to a few seminars in which they were telling us that the baby boomers don't want to know about hell. And if you're going to win the baby boomers, you have to tell them something that they want to hear. But let me inform you, my friends, there's a far cry difference in getting people rapture ready than just getting a crowd together. There's a difference in a gang and a church. I say there's a difference in a gang and a church. You can always get a crowd together if you tell them what they want to hear. But you see, that's not what we're after. We're after people who are blood washed, filled with the Holy Ghost, on fire, ready to go to heaven. And you know what? Jesus could come back any time now. How would I feel as a pastor if most of this congregation missed the rapture? And I missed the rapture. And your blood was required in my hands. You know, as a parent, when you rear your children, you owe it to your children to tell them what's right and what's wrong. And I have known of a lot of parents that the the children kind of rule the roost. Really. They were the bosses in the home. It's amazing. Little little children, uh, they can take over. They really can. And, And they know how to do it. And after a while, the parents saying, yes, 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 yes. But God puts you in a responsible position. You are the leader of your home. And it just so happens that, that we need a strong voice in the pulpit. I don't know why I'm saying all this today. But churches churches need strong voices. Around the turn of the century, Charles Finney, who was a Presbyterian minister that brought great revival to the Presbyterian church, when he went into the community to preach, you know what he did? He had the deacons to bring a pew and set it up facing the congregation. And when he gave his altar call, you know what he did? He said, I want to know how many of you proud Presbyterians would like to come and sit in this seat, sit in this seat and make a confession to this congregation about your pride. That's the way he did it. And people by the scores came because Finney had a touch of God on his life. I meant the power of the Holy Ghost was falling. Last Sunday night we had five or six people receive the Holy Ghost here. Thursday night, Samantha received the Holy Ghost. And I understand that she's not here this morning, but she's going to be baptized tonight. Isn't that great? Oh, hallelujah. The past few weeks, we've had several people baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen, this is not a funeral service. And all the things that I'm saying about funerals, let me tell you, I I believe they ought to be that way. It doesn't bother me at all, but what I'm saying, this is not a funeral service. I'm going to leave that chair down there. Somebody might want to come make a confession. You know, another, another thing that amazes me about funerals is the selection of songs. Beautiful Isle somewhere. I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Beulah Land. 
You know, there's, there's a lot of those songs that are meaningful, and they're great. But every now and then, you like to go to a funeral where somebody picks something different. I remember Brother Brian Wiseman's funeral. Oh, my, the Spirit of the Lord came down. <clears throat> For Brother Tanberger, who, maybe Brother Bennett, but someone stood behind the pulpit. They said, Brother Brian Wiseman's request, we want to lead this song. And they sung victory in Jesus while people clapped their hands. The Spirit of the Lord came down. We had a message in tongues and interpretation. God's Spirit was alive there. This man had been an incredible missionary for Jesus in Brazil. When I left there, I knew there was great victory in the house of God. <laughs> the Bible speaks that it's a beautiful thing for children of God to depart from this life. And oh, what a great victory we had. Praise God. And I like slow songs. For the most part, I'm going to tell you this. For the most part, I like slower songs more than fast songs. Now, we, we sing a lot of fast songs because our song leaders just do it that way. But I will say this. Regardless of what you're singing, you, there should be some life in it. There should be some spirit in it. I remember when Brother George Juno received the Holy Ghost. Remember that, Brother Juno? Man, I'm telling you, he leaped all over the place. He jumped all over the back around the old church over on Milwaukee Street. The Spirit of the Lord came down. <laughs> Brother Juno came up and said, I'll tell you one thing. Those people on the day of Pentecost don't have anything on me. <clears throat> God's Spirit came down. Well, Brother Aaron came just a few services later. And, of course, Brother Aaron, as you know, is the Dennis, the menace of Pentecost. And he got up behind the pulpit, and our church was just rocking. It was on fire that morning. And he, he turned his collar up. I don't want to turn mine up. I may not get it down. But he turned it up and buttoned his coat all the way up, and, and he started singing Amazing Grace. And, of course, uh, <clears throat> what he was doing, uh, he was mimicking... Uh, I don't want to use the word mocking, but he was mimicking a cold, formal church service. And the reason why he was doing it, because everyone was so much on fire. And, of course, people were laughing, and, you know, and he did it for a laugh, you know, and, and everybody was following along. But when I looked in the back, and, of course, Brother Juno just received the Holy Ghost. You've got to keep in mind, he's the man that, that <clears throat> the people on the day of Pentecost had nothing on him, you know. And while Brother Aaron was singing this, you know, leading this amazing grace, purposely, you know, very slow. I looked back. Brother Juno had both hands raised and tears streaming down his cheeks, and he was worshiping God and praising God. He didn't catch on, see. <clears throat> as slow as that song was, and I'm sure if you'd ask Brother Juno, you know, amazing grace is slow, but Brother Aaron slowed it down two or three notches. He thought, well, I can sing the slow one and be on fire too. He's just singing, praising the Lord. <laughs> it was just it was just quite humorous to see everybody laughing, Brother Aaron doing this, and Brother Juno with those hands up. <laughs> Praise God. I remember when Sister Betty Juno received the Holy Ghost. Do you remember that, Sister Betty? She was sitting back in the back, close to the back of our church, about like where Steve Ebert was sitting. And I remember 
the Lord spoke to me to go back and lay hands on her. God's going to fill her with the Holy Ghost. Now, <clears throat> she didn't look too happy about it. <clears throat> and I know she wasn't too happy about it. But all of a sudden, God just spoke to me, and I just took out running back there. I said, Betty, you know, lift those hands. God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Well, I was so forceful about it, she didn't have much choice, I guess. <clears throat> if I don't do this, the joke's going to be on me. You know what she did? She lifted her hands. We started praying for her, and all of a sudden, those seemingly, that attitude of, <laughs> don't touch me, <laughs> kind of left. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon her. And the power of God came down. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. I was going to baptize a lady one time. I'd just been to a beauty salon. She came in. She said, uh, <clears throat> I'm a little concerned about going all the way under. I said, are you afraid of water? She said, oh, no. Don't want to get my hair messed up. She said, do you have any shower caps around here? I said, no. She said, can, can, can I go buy one? I said, no. <clears throat> she said, well, what about my hair? I said, let me tell you something. Repentance is when you crucify yourself with Jesus. If you're more concerned about your hair than you are your sins, you're not ready for baptism. Now, I've got to tell you this, just every now and then, I, I pray for people that I, I know that they, you know, and, and this is uh, it's not just the women, but the men. You know, they, every little hair is in place, and everything's so prim and proper. And, and I, I really like to get my hands on their head. <laughs> in the Bible, they lay hands on people, you know what? <clears throat> <But, laughs> you're all right, yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Seriously, our church services cannot be like funerals. We need the Spirit of God moving. We need the power of the Holy Ghost moving. Mm. When Jesus gave the parable of the kingdom of God, he did not say the kingdom of God shall be likened unto a funeral service where there's quietness, slow songs, only fine words that are spoken, nice words that are spoken. That's not what he said. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a great feast. And this happened to be a marriage feast. A marriage feast. My. We had that reception and people started clanging on those glasses. Ding, 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 ding. Everybody was so happy, and the place was decorated up, and cakes over there and gifts over here. And everybody's coming in so, oh, wasn't that a beautiful dress that Kim has on? Or isn't that a beautiful dress that Kim has on? And then Kim starts behind to go back to the table, and there's a big bunch of balloons up there, and, and something behind snagged one of the balloons, and 
the thing popped and she jumped and we all laughed and <clears throat> we were just having the time of our life. I'm telling you, really, the time of our life. The Spirit of the Lord was there. And so we did more clanging. And uh, Kim says, oh, this is so crazy. <clears throat> they gave her a big kiss. And, of course, I had to ask her when she said, this is so crazy, if you're talking about the clanging or the kiss. <clears throat> She's quite witty, you know. She said, well, really both. <laughs> did you hear her say that day? You did, didn't you? <clears throat> I thought if you didn't, I'm going to tell on her, okay? <laughs> My. <laughs> I'm telling you, and we had the receiving line, and people were coming by, and smile. Oh, it was great. Just great. Fantastic. You're going to have a good life together. Let me tell you something. You give your life to the Lord, it's that way. Praise God. I mean, we talked about for better or worse, forsaking all others, for richer or poor. With a big smile. I do. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Kim. I do. Yes. Well, for richer or poor, for better or worse, and it can get worse, you know. But I do. Because I think the advantages far outweigh the disadvantages. you got the wife of my life. That the husband of my life. So that way when you start serving God, you have to give up a few, few things. Give up a few ways. Some things you have to put aside. They're not compatible in the relationship. You have to give them up. At an old-fashioned altar, you have to repent of your sins. But I'll tell you one thing. I've never seen anyone baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost that was sad. I'm telling you, when the Spirit of the Lord came down and filled them, they were laughing. They were so happy. Thursday night, Samantha received the Holy Ghost. So quiet. She's just a quiet gal. You know, just very quiet. Several of the people came and said, you know, she says she's received the Holy Ghost, and she seems to be happy and everything, but she's so quiet. I went up to her and I said, do you receive the Holy Ghost? Yes. Did you speak with tongues? Oh, yes. <clears throat> well, I said, you know what? You can speak with tongues every day of your life now. Several people are just wondering, you know, if she did she really receive the Holy Ghost? I said, I'm going to lay hands on you, and I want you to just receive it all over again. And when I lay hands on her in her quiet way, she started speaking with tongues. And there was a glow on her face and a smile on her face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When she got up, and I thought Kimberly was here this morning. Oh, she's in the stewardship class. When she got up, and she was running all around the church with Kimberly, and I thought, now she's walking differently. She had so much step. You know, you could just tell. She was so excited about what it happened what Jesus does. Dave's friend Frank stood up yesterday at the wedding and told about his relationship with Dave and with God. It was a very moving testimony. 
Let me tell you something. If we had the time, we could electrify this atmosphere, charge this atmosphere with testimonies, giving glory and honor to Jesus for what he has done. Seriously. You see this man that likes to jump up and clap his hands? Do you know what he was involved in before he came to the Lord? You'd be surprised. Dan Capaggio, when some of our men met him on the streets, Dan came here. Dan had a long ponytail, way down almost to his waist. Uh, it wasn't the ponytail that was a problem. The problem was that Dan was not involved with Jesus, and his life was sinful. Ted, my, my, my. Ted was recently baptized in Jesus' name. His wife, Carla, his two sons. I don't think he's missed a church service since. Hasn't missed a church service. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord. And then last Sunday night, see Fred Potter. I'm telling you, Fred's not here, is he? Fred, you know, he's a starchy one. I'm telling you. <clears throat> I remember when I baptized Chuck Berger. I just got a call from a pastor the other day that said, Chuck and, and uh, Pat are attending my church in Idaho. So we're so happy. I was so happy to hear from him. And uh, <clears throat> Chuck Berger says, well, my wife is emotional, but I'm not. Air Force officer, military. He said, I don't go for all this crying, jumping. I didn't say much to him. He came with his wife, and sure enough, Pat received the Holy Ghost. I mean, she jumped and leaped all over the place. I don't like that, he said. He came in and talked with me about it. He said, I'm real alarmed. He said, she even does this at home now. <laughs> Really? Since she starts praying in the kitchen, gets so excited that she jumps, leaps. Well, <clears throat> all of a sudden, got a, God got a hold of Chuck's heart. Chuck came down to the altar. He was crying and, and, and repenting. Then he wanted to get baptized. We're going to see Chuck. I'm telling you, whenever I put Chuck under that water, and when he came out, he shot up out of that water like a rocket. And he began to hit the water, and the water was splattering all over the place, and people were running. And he started leaping and shouting, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost in the tank. I had never in my life seen anyone get so excited. And when it was all over with, he said, well, <laughs> this is a true conversion, he said. <laughs> I never thought, he said, that this would ever happen to starchy old <laughs> Chuck. I remember Fred, just a few months back. Michelle, you didn't know about this. You were jumping all over the place, and he came over here and wanted to pray with Brother Thomas. Now he said, "My wife is just emotional. She likes all this jumping." He said, "He said, I think you know. I don't think you have to do all that. Do you think so, Pastor?" I said, "No, I don't think you have to do it. But I don't think you should restrict people that want to do it." 
Don't be critical. He said, well, I've got my own way of doing this. <laughs> Sunday night, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he received the Holy Ghost, and he started jumping up and down, jumping up and down. And the first thing I knew, I looked, and that, <laughs> that Fred, I mean to tell you, he took out running. He ran around here several times. He had his hands up. <laughs> Woo! Glory! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we have to stand. <clears throat> you may not be having fun this morning, but I am. <clears throat> you know, you have something like a wedding. You just want to savor all the moments and memory of it and go back over it. And I'll tell you what. The greatest times that I've ever had in my life have been in church. Really. I don't know why. It just seems like I'm always asked opinions about things. I was working on a job in Shawano, Wisconsin. A group of ladies came, and they were upset at their pastor. They wanted to talk with me. They knew I was a pastor. They said, the thing about it is they have the local races on Saturday night. The pastor called for a special renewal service, and he had them all over there. They were going to take communion. Their dilemma was, I don't know whether we want to take communion or go to the races. Now, <clears throat> my whole point in this is that, that the very fact that they were trying to evaluate which was the most important uh, denoted really their need to go and take communion. So they were upset about it. I was able to sit there in a lounge and talk to these ladies about their spiritual life. You know, <clears throat> there are so many things today to steal your heart and your affection from God. You know, number one, you need the Lord just in order to be saved to escape damnation, to escape hell. You need God just in order to go to heaven. But because life is so complex, Brother Rutherford, not alluded to this, but he outright spoke of it several times about the problems of our day. This is a complex world we're living in. You need God on a daily basis just to make it yes, from day to day. That's right. You really do. And for this reason, I preach like this today. And for this reason, I give you an opportunity to come and repent of your sins today. If you're a guest of ours, I want you to feel free. Step right out and just come down here and kneel. We'll not ask you to sit in this chair. But you can come and kneel or just stand. And we have Christian workers throughout our building to be glad to step right out and come and pray with you and help you or assist you. Who'd like to be the first one to come today and give their heart to the Lord? Come on right now. Come on. If you're, if you're cold in God like Sardis was, 
If you're near death like Sardis was, come and get new life, new life in God today. Come on. Come unto Him, receive from His power in Jesus' name. Come on, right now. There's life for you this hour. I want several, several of you, brethren, to come and There's pray with Greg. There's life in Jesus' name. There's cleansing. That's it. Let's come and gather around There's Greg and pray for him. Who'd like to be the next one? to come and give their heart to the Lord.